0: in Quidditch they're training harder than ever because Hufflepuff are coming up
1: it's Hufflepuff <laughs> send out the B team goodness me it's Hufflepuff this come it's on.
0: Hufflepuff come on <laughs> I, know, I can just imagine him walking out just shaking just <laughs> getting ready for another shoeing. the only question being how long is it going to last before the how second how long fight? is this going to last <laughs>
1: because you're going out there literally not knowing if it could be the rest of the year that you have to put up with the shellacking that you're receiving <laughs> they
0: would have definitely let a Hufflepuff game run off Gamer and On for a few days on purpose in the past. Hello, welcome to part three of Shark Royal's read-through of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And this is going to be an interesting little collection of chapters. We're going from chapter 10, called Halloween, as far as the Forbidden Forest, which I think is chapter, was it 14, 15? 15, 15 I, I think. 15. So, but who's counting,
1: Matt? They're all a delight.
0: Absolutely. So um, the last chapter, just get get ready for it because it is, it's some chapter, considering the <laughs> setup, the the main bit and the payoff all in one chapter. But anyway, we'll get to absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, as ever, if you want to get your own review into us for next week when we do the final piece in the puzzle for harry potter and the philosopher's stone the final episode just uh send your review to shark liver oil podcast at gmail.com that's shark liver at gmail.com or send it to us on twitter at shark liver oil dave when we last left harry um they just narrowly escaped um the world's most transparent set up for an expulsion you've ever seen from (laughs) Malfoy, where they went to this third floor at midnight and nearly got caught and Malfoy wasn't there.
1: (laughs) Malfoy wasn't there, but mysteriously Fitch
0: was. (laughs) Yeah. So, chapter ten, Halloween. And it it opens, basically, with Malfoy just, he can't believe that they've not been expelled. He's like, (laughs) how is
1: this? (laughs) I'd like to say this, I love how much this book, because it it does set up its bad guys quite I'm not going to say transparently, because they're, they're, they are three-dimensional characters, but there's definitely people you're supposed to be rooting against, right? Yeah. And I love that J.K. Rowling really brilliantly walks the sort of dividing line between these baddies being plausible threats and dunking them in the gunge tank as often as she possibly can. <laughs> and this is just... I, I just completely love how much... Um, how much she does this to, to Malfoy, particularly? How much Malfoy really does come off like a scheming eleven-year-old and doesn't get away with it like half the time?
0: Yeah, I now mean, nearly it nearly worked, and because of that, Hermione is furious with the lads. She's like, "You, yeah, that was so stupid." And they they kind of they they don't re- they're not that sheepish. They're just like, yeah, well, whatever." You know, we're, yeah, we're, it all worked we're, out. We're, it was fine.
1: We're eleven-year-olds, so consequences, what?
0: <laughs> yeah we, we, it all worked out only because she pulled your asses out of the fire with that nifty little yeah, unlock trick but
1: i think if i was her i would be standing a little bit less on the sort of school mom i am extremely worried about this and i'm worried about your moral your moral upstandingness the yeah. degradation of your moral fiber and a bit more on the look do you notice that you're still alive despite the presence of a horrifying beast in the corridor you just tried to go to in the middle of the night. Might that not be because I'm pretty great? So how about, how about the listening? Hmm? Yeah.
0: Hmm? Now, you know Malfoy, one of his big problems with Harry, and the same with Snape, it seems, and a couple of other people, or the haters, the Harry haters. They, basically, hate <laughs> they They basically, very unfairly, keep claiming that Harry gets some kind of special treatment just because of who he is and who his parents were you know yeah very unfair to say yeah next bit um they're in the great hall and uh it turns out professor mcgonagall has bought harry a broom um, not, not just, and this isn't just sort of like one of the brooms from the back of the cupboard, you know, like the in the games where like you got to get a, you got to get one from the, the sort of common use because you don't have your own. No, this is the most expensive one you can buy. It's a Nimbus 2000. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the teachers has just bought him it. <laughs> just bought him it. It's like
1: I like I like the idea that 2000 refers to the price tag. That all these other ones <laughs> like a pair of football boots are available for sort of 40 or 50 quid and then here's this thing that's worth 2 grand. <laughs> (laughs) And then your apparently stern head of house walks in and goes, present for you, new boy. And like six weeks into term or whatever, before there's been a tryout, a competitive, or anything like that, just boom. There you go. Also, what is this, by the way, with this being an apparently competitive sport in which you can purchase success by buying yourself a better broom?
0: Well, it's like better boots in football. Well, do do the boots make
1: the difference, though? Like, that is... because I'm terrible at football. And <laughs> while I never tried it for that reason, I'm pretty sure that I could have spent £2,000 on a pair of football boots and I would not have gotten any better at football.
0: Yeah. Well, I know. All I know is when I, in my Sunday league team, the best player on the team had a pair of predator boots. Now, you're wow. probably the best player anyway. So there may be just a <laughs> <that> may, <laughs> correlation may doesn't, it in, in, may not indicate causation in that. And that one, but you know, the facts speak for themselves. So, but you <laughs> they, know, the Nim- they
1: they do. He was great, and he had a pair of broomsticks on his feet or something.
0: <laughs> the Nimbus two thousand. Anyway, I think the two thousand might refer to the year, isn't it? Around two thousand when this was out, or is it oh, earlier? No, no, probably way earlier. Yeah,
1: early, well, it? no, it was published in ninety seven. And actually, we got a reply uh, about this on Twitter from uh, Greg, who said that um, the year. Canonically, and, and J.K. Rowling tweeted something a couple of days later, which actually confirmed this as it happened. Hmm. Um, uh, canonically, all of this is taking place in 1990. So oh. so Harry Potter is 11 in 1990, and it's all rolling forward from there. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So hmm. that actually, that is a that is a thing. Predator boots didn't even exist back no. then. No,
0: the Nimbus like 2000s, 10 years ahead of its time. That's so how good it that is.
1: That was it, wasn't it? That was the slogan you'd see on magic TV. <laughs> The secret channel. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, yeah. I love how McGonagall's rationale for it and her excuses, special circumstances, she cites. Special circumstances.
1: <laughs> That's incredible. That's just, so there's a slight hop over here to um, uh, an author that we've done, but not a book that we've done. Uh, Ian Banks um, wrote a wrote a book called The um, uh, the Wasp Factory, which we did on this cast. Uh, Going to say that if you're younger than a particular age, probably don't listen to it. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but he also wrote a load of uh, science fiction, Ian Banks, and one of the things in that is that there's this like massive pan galactic culture called the Culture, um, uh, who's like super epic, awesome, you know, badass, amazing uh, spy uh, group. It's called Special Circumstances. Like, they only do stuff because it's special circumstances. And they only break the rules because it's special circumstances. So now I've got this wonderful (laughs) Harry Potter and Ian Banks mashup going in my brain with Professor McGonagall flying across the universe, solving, (laughs) like, intractable diplomatic problems using, you know, her wiles. And that's just,
0: that's great. Sounds to me like a a whimsical, like, late 60s band band. Like a psychedelic, the band. culture, <laughs> <In> special circumstances, <laughs> special circumstances, yeah, with three
1: different flute players depending on which song's going on.
0: Anyway, yeah, so the broom is awesome. Um, Harry can't wait to get stuck into practice. This is where we um, get a rundown of the just how Quidditch is played. We touched on this hmm. last week, but just to go into it again, so you have these. You basically got three. Uh, three chasers who go after. The what some of the balls and try and chuck them through hoops, a bit like basketball, and that you get points that way. Um, but as we said last time, you get 150 points at once if the, the seeker catches the, the little golden snitch ball, um, which the they other- have to
1: do in order to end the game anyway. So yes. it's definitely going to happen,
0: yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, so you've got to be, if if you've got a crap seeker, you've got to be at least 150 points ahead to have a chance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've got to run up a rugby score just to be in with a shout.
0: Yeah, and there's also the bludges, um, the extra added added element. Presumably when they came up with Quidditch, they had the sort of chasers and they had the, the seekers. And it was all fairly good, but a little bit safe. So they just just brought in these two heavy leaden balls that are enchanted to try and break your bones and four people to whack them at each other.
1: I mean, the thing is, obviously at that point, the TV ratings went through the roof. I reckon that's the moment where TV
0: got involved and they went, well,
1: listen, we love it. We love it. It's a great game. It's a huge deal. It's so good. It's a little tame. Have you considered the possibility of lasting trauma? Because honestly, people will turn on for that. They will turn on tuning and they will not drop out. We'll have them for life.
0: <laughs> yeah. The longest game ever lasted three months. I love that idea. Three
1: months. Tell you what, TV was not involved in that, were they? Yeah. Goodness me. <laughs> that's it, all the complaining that goes on about cricket. Goodness, at least that's over in five days. Um, <laughs>
0: As we enter the 75th day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, along with many of the crowd here, those who haven't uh, uh, left or been taken away for long-term medical care, really am losing the will to care about the outcome of this game. Oh, that, he's just had his arm broken again. Tremendous. That, Chalk that one up. Does that bring us closer to the end? No, yeah. Barry, it does not.
0: And that's not three months sort of like just finishing at night. That's three months... 24-hour days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, incredible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, well, I mean, yeah, I did have, since we're talking about it now, uh, w- when we get into the sort of body of the Quidditch game a little bit, I, I did have, I must confess, a number of questions <laughs> about this. Um, you know, quite apart from the scoring thing that we talked about last time. Um, just the fact that these bludgers fly around, and at one point it explicitly says... That it hits somebody in the back of the head, which is so leaden ball flying through the air in the back of the head. That is to say, children at school in PE lesson are being put in a situation where they're being shot in the back of the head by by magic bullets.
0: Yeah, I, and, I,
1: and this is this is all this is all just the game, and everybody turns out and goes, "Oh, jolly good sport, jolly good sport, oh, bravo."
0: Yeah, I think in a similar way to in football, where you you know you can't head it anymore if you're under a certain age. I reckon there's yeah. been a similar campaign in um, in Quidditch now. <laughs> so look, it, it? sponge balls for bludgers for a while. Come That's
1: on, <laughs> no, no, no. The bludgers are just like paintballs or something. Yeah. so they just they sort of leave a paint splodge <laughs> on the back of your head.
0: Yeah, just rotten fruit.
1: Just <laughs> rotten fruit that's
0: amazing um, so anyway the, the seeker is too the little the snitch the little ball is too expensive to practice with with a noob so um, the we end the sort of scene with, with Harry trying to catch golf balls for practice and he's doing really well um, and then we sort of speed up time and two months kind of fly by as Halloween comes round and the first game is on the way um, but before that we have a little run in with a, with a little monster that's been wandering about so um, we start off in charms They're, doing flying. They're trying to make up these feathers fly And Hermione can do it And she's the only one he can And Ron just sort of Says loudly as he walks past her No wonder no one can stand her and it's like I felt, I felt so bad for her. She's like, it's the one thing she can do really well, and it makes her less popular. It's just you kind of, you see, it's one of those things again. It's very well observed some of the some of the stuff in it in Harry Potter. In like, yeah, yeah I, I saw that at school as well. That was yeah. that was the kind of thing that happened.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And like, and I think it's, I think it's a really, it's a really great like storytelling skill that J.K. Rowling's got that that doesn't make me not want to read the book you know what i mean hmm. cuz that like that sort of snidiness elbow sideways stuff i did not enjoy about school at all but this i'm like i have a lot of faith that it's going somewhere fun and and it's going somewhere fun because of episodes like this one that she just drops into the book mm-hmm. and it's 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 reliable i'm coming to realize that these early harry potter books at least are reliable for uh, for entertainment
0: yeah, so here we go. Um, they're in the they're in the great hall, just having a chat, and Quir- what's he called? Quirrell runs in and shouts that there's a troll in the dungeons. So, and then a pandemonium breaks out. Everyone's like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> I have a question: Who trained this
1: man as a teacher? <laughs>
0: It reminded me of the um that do you remember that Mister G in Summer Heights High, who's running around shouting like all these very dangerous things happening in school.
1: <laughs> I'd completely forgotten that, but no, you're absolutely right, isn't it? This is this is a guy who, who's who's so so panicky that his only interpretation of like appropriate teacherly behaviour is to do the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theatre. But instead of that, he's yelling troll in. in in a magical high school full of teenagers who love using spells all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised that there wasn't a queue by the time they reached the toilet.
0: Yeah, yeah. so Dumbledore's like, right, everyone go back to your dorms so the prefect's leading everyone off. Harry and Ron obviously decide, oh, we're going to sneak Not off. Not <laughs> because We're the protagonists. <laughs> yeah. Because Hermione's uh, gone off crying because of what Ron said. So they've got to go looking for her. In the meantime, Ooh. they see Snape heading off to the third floor, just looking shifty as. Um, but they've not got time to follow him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <they've, laughs> this is great. They come across the troll, and it wanders into this room, and they're like, big grins on the faces. They're like, sneak up, shut the door, lock it inside, <laughs> practically high five, and then leave, and then realize <laughs> and then it's, it's the girl's toilet. So, where am I <laughs> in? the trolling with her. <laughs>
1: Oh, and the thing is, once again, I say how well observed it is. Once again, I agree with you how well observed it is. Like, because that is exactly, exactly what would happen. What would have happened to me if I was in that situation? I would, on the rare occasion where I actually did something that was pertinent to the situation, I would also have done it in a way that was so mind-blowingly thick. That, I really endangered the life of one of my fellow students. That is definitely what I would have been doing. <laughs>
0: it later emerged that a 11-year-old girl was locked in there with the monster. A spokesman for <laughs> Harry Potter said, that was the one thing we didn't want to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a spokesman said, not 100%, to be sure, but we did deal with the troll.
0: <laughs> so... um they go straight back in they obviously burst back into the bathroom to help Hermione out and we immediately enter this sort of triple threat bathroom match between the uh oh,
1: so good isn't d- it between the troll just, and the of all kids. the things to drop into the book at this point a genuine sort of <laughs> WWE smackdown <laughs> matchup.
0: Yeah, Ron turns into the ultimate game day player and after being unable to do this Wingardium Leviosa Spelling Charms class, just does the perfect one here and knocks the Troll 8 with its own club. Um, Absolute clutch. Clutch clutch, player, right Yeah, Yeah. little postscript as well. Um, Was it Harry's wand ends up covered in troll bogeys? which is just, quite, <laughs> it's just great when you're sort of reading it's this. It's so Age good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy about this. Like, this whole scene, it was such a weird experience for me. I can't remember the last time that I watched a an action sequence that just genuinely made me happy. <laughs> like that It was just like such a great combination Of like adrenaline and Misadventure and slapstick <laughs> yeah. so Part of the solution to The massive monster problem is that Harry sticks his wand up his nose And <laughs> the thing is, right, so is this in the Film, by the way, the, the wand up the nose
0: Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, they weren't going to Miss out on that
1: Right, well, so, because for some reason, when a, God, I must have been such a joyless 17-year-old when this came out. I watched it, because it was the same year that uh, Lord of the Rings came out, which also has a big set-piece Royal Rumble Battle Royale with the troll, right? Yeah. And I'd watch I'd watch that, and then I'd watch this, and I was like, oh, this is very disappointing. And, uh, how on earth did I miss the fact that his wand goes up his nose and gets covered in bogeys? What was the matter with me, Matt? What was yeah. wrong?
0: Yeah, Frodo never did that to the, uh, yeah, to the he troll. flipping should have done, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, they uh, they defeat the troll and then all the teachers walk in and they get the telling off of the lives. Hermione takes the fall for the team. She takes one for the team here, says she went to try and track the troll down herself and the other two went after her. Um, this is quite an important bonding moment. This is the moment where they become friends. Like Hermione yeah. does this sort of, you know, takes one for the team and becomes... Yeah. Important member of said team, and then the three yeah. of them are really close ever 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 more after yeah. this
1: yeah yeah, yeah yeah, it's nice, isn't it like this the fact that she's worked out that she she has thought going to school was about knowing all of these books and stuff beforehand and getting the best grades, yeah, and actually that there's this whole other thing about being at school, which is about making friends and like and and you know uh you know like being mates and looking out for each other and stuff. Um, it also it wouldn't surprise me though somebody as smart as mine he hadn't also noticed an absolutely epic opportunity to slightly polish up her street cred as like <laughs> yeah went after the went after the troll myself by the way they told me not to they came after me they helped but <laughs> I went and took down the ta- the cage troll do you know what I mean like yeah, I love that
0: I went after it I like the last line of the chapter it says there are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other and knocking out a twelve foot mountain troll is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Just at the end of this, um, McGonagall dishes out some points, and this is a forever a mystery to me how they work out the points for this house cup. But um, Hermione gets minus five points for going after a cave troll and potentially no. nearly killing herself. Harry and Ron get plus five points each for defeating said cave troll. Um, yeah. We, we'll, we'll so find net, that, they're all out ahead. They're five points ahead. Yeah, for for taking down a cave troll. Yeah.
1: Um, just, I, I like the idea of like whose responsibility is it to write these things down? Because if I was a teacher, that's like an active disincentive for me ever to punish or reward any behavior of any description. I have to man. walk around remembering who I've given plus and minus points to, <laughs> and the kids. You can't ask the kids to keep track of that themselves, right? Because they'd all turn up at the end of the day going, "Yeah, no, honestly, <laughs> I wrestled a bat out of the sky, two thousand points." She said, "I mean, who am I to argue?"
0: Anyway, considering that's the, the cup wrapped up considering the current circumstances wrestling a batter at this guy it was the right bat would be well worth 2000 points <laughs> uh, but. so True. uh yeah we move on oh, i think actually the the in terms of the points they've got the way it's tallied is they've got these little um they've got these giant hourglasses in the great hall one for each house Ooh. and they fill up um as as people get as the house is gonna uh, oh,
1: oh, Right, of course the answer is to my magic. quibbling practicality <laughs> question is it's magic, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And I think I feel like that's gonna be a bit of a meme through the rest of this series, isn't it? How do they do it? I have something funny to say about this quibbly little bit of it. Di- it's magic, Dave. It's magic. I'm gonna, Just let it be magic.
0: I'm gonna have a deck of it's Magic Dave cards here. I'm just going to play them every so often. <laughs> is it time for another It's Magic Dave card? Yes, it is. <laughs> we should keep a tally.
1: There you go. You, you haven't got magic though, have you? You've got to no. keep track of that.
0: Ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Chapter 11, Quidditch. It's November. Quidditch. Um, and I quite like as we get introduced to the castle at winter, the school at winter, and like Hagrid's defrosting like the the drive or something. And there's, and there's just a, a feel of the general castle life going on as you move into yeah. this in, into this season. And I quite yeah. liked how it's described so so well um, throughout.
1: I, I I really agree with that, and I feel exactly the same way. Like the it, there was just something about this, wasn't it? Just a very small number of details. Like, really sort of just, you know, Hagrid was doing this, and it looked like this, and it felt like this. And I'm just like, oh, this is a living community. So, man, I tell you what, that's writing there. Yeah. To be able to do that with just a couple of sentences is just is hugely impressive, and, and I, I, I absolutely loved reading it. Although yeah. it did, and prepare that deck of cards, Matt, because it did raise a question for me here,
0: <laughs> which is, Hand on the deck right now, Dave.
1: <laughs> well, no, actually, it's almost like, it's almost... That, that answer won't work in this case because it is, this is set in 1990 and it's a castle which is, is you know, given the sort of concentration of wizarding that's going on here, it's probably one of the most magical environments in the world. And we've already seen that this whole wizard world governed by the Ministry of Magic you know, they've got a decent amount of money. You know, gold, gold cauldrons is all I'll say, right? <laughs> and um, why are the only places where it's warm, the places where you've lit a massive fire in, like the Great Hall and in the uh, in the common room, and the rest of it is freezing. In nineteen ninety, has nobody come in and gone? Center listen, with, with all the love in the
0: world, where are the radiators? <laughs> Character building. Dumbledore's like, keep those radiators <laughs> That's out there,
1: exactly, it, not it? Because <laughs> Dumbledore is an old man who went to school under a different type of regime. He's like, listen. I've got rid of the caning because I'm not I'm not a monster, right? But I I I am damned if I'm letting you all just walk around cozy as you please, <laughs> slippers in November. Absolutely not. No, no, no.
0: Yeah, it's Bill's just character, it, or it just it's just conforming to the golden rule of every school ever, where they have central heating, but it never ever works, especially not in the winter. So that is so absolutely maybe that's it. true, like, isn't it? And Harry's just gone to the teachers so I'm like, why don't you use magic? Funnily enough, that's the one thing magic doesn't work on. Um, it's the, <laughs> it's, the, it's the, so that's one of those like, it's rules, the, like, nev- some, universal rules that's never change. <laughs> school heating some, doesn't work. Some,
1: <laughs> some magic is deeper and, and darker <laughs> than others, Harry. And I'm here to tell you that the inevitability of the school central heating system being broken between November and March is one of those magics. <laughs>
0: Now um, Harry, Ron and Hermione they're, they're poring over this book that they've taken out of the library in the courtyard Snape comes limping across said courtyard so troubles brew him and immediately docks five points for taking the book just, out of the library the just same, for being present yeah, the, the same punishment as Hermione got for risking her life going after a cave
1: troll, <laughs> troll. taking a book from one room into an adjacent area <laughs> this shall not stand
0: yeah Harry goes to get the book back from Snape, and um, he walks in on him um, getting tended, getting a wound tended. He's got a really bad cut on his on his ankle or on his but his lower leg, and Snape gets all angry and shouts at, at Harry for, for entering without knocking, basically. And ha- Harry, from from this, Harry comes up with the theory that Snape's been trying to get past that three headed dog and got a bite.
1: I mean, I, decent theory but I do have to say that that sort of offended dignity yell of a teacher who's like been caught in this like slightly compromising position, nothing like iffy, but just like in a way that that shatters that aura of absolute authority um that's very familiar to me. Do you know what I mean like walk into the like you know new school you walk into the staff room by mistake, and everybody's in there just like chatting away, having their toast cup of tea, and it's just like. Hell is he doing? <laughs> and that's sort of like there's a rage that comes from that feeling, which is unmatched. You know, by the worst behaviour in class wouldn't be responded to with that particular yeah. outrage.
0: Yeah, cross the line. Yeah, so, um, we move on to debut day for for Harry. Um, it's the first day of the Quidditch. I really like how this was set up as well. You really felt the tension around Harry. He's really nervous about playing, but really excited yeah. as well. Um, yeah, yeah. We're introduced to a guy called Lee Jordan for the first time. Who's the he's the commentator? Who's the most biased oh, commentator ever? <laughs> he, he is
1: so good, though, isn't he? Like I ju- yeah. this, this guy's this guy's dialogue is off the charts. Brilliant. <laughs> There's a bit later on where Harry will. Uh, it's in this section, so no spoilers. Where um, uh, Harry's what is it? Harry is like battered off his off his stick by one of the uh, one of the Slytherin guys, yeah. and. Um, and, and he just has to take like three attempts at it And it's just so well written Where he goes, kind of like Jordan goes A completely outrageous And violent Terrible, and McGonagall tells him off, and he goes, sorry, sorry, Professor, sorry. An unbelievable and unjustifiable, sorry, Professor, sorry, sorry about that, sorry about that. Then he just just goes, Harry Potter is nearly murdered by being knocked off his broom, which could happen to anyone, I'm sure, Dearie me. It's it's so good. It's, oh, man. I I want Lee Jordan to commentate on my life now. I just want, I want that.
0: He's definitely a Gryffindor man through and through, though. It's a bit like Ian yeah. Wright commentating on an England game. Just... Oh, it's so good, isn't
1: it? It's, and, and I will say, Ian Wright commentating on an England game is one of my favourite things. One of, one of the only things that I consistently enjoy about being an England fan is yeah. Ian Wright commentating on England games.
0: So it's Gryffindor again. I think it's Ravenclaw, is it? Or is it Slytherin? No, it's Ravenclaw. Is
1: this one Slytherin? I think it's Slytherin now, and then there's another game in a bit, which is Hufflepuff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, is this one? This one, Slytherin, is it?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh yeah, because he's because there's all the dirty tricks going on and all that, isn't there? So yeah.
1: yeah. Only Slytherin would do that. <laughs> all the evil kids in one house—definitely <laughs> a bad idea. Yeah.
0: Slytherin are basically sort of like early two thousand Stoke City, aren't they? <laughs> or like nineties Wimbledon. They're just kicking oh, people. Oh
1: <laughs> dearie me! Vinnie Jones on the one flank, Jonathan Walters on the other <laughs> flank. Yeah. If you're younger than we are, pr- I promise you these jokes are hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, in the middle of the game. Uh, Gryffindor go ahead, and then there's a broom malfunction. This swanky new Nimbus 2000 isn't is playing up. <sighs> See um, all the gear, yeah. no idea. No man. idea. Am I yeah, right? yeah. But it turns out Snape is seen muttering, looking uh, at Harry and muttering a uh, spell. He's trying to bring him down, Dave. The dastard. So, <laughs> so it's Hermione and Ron to the rescue. They, I mean, quite how they get away with this is a, is incredible, but they rush the, the staff area, KO Quirrell on the way through, and then set fire to Snape's cloak. <laughs> and like none of the staff and then just waltz off. And
1: then, like, do it, she does this weird thing, doesn't she? Where she, like, captures the fire in a jar as well, which is this thing that she does. But yeah. then and then the next line is she captured the fire in the jar, and she was sure Snape would never know. It's like, how was she sure that <laughs> Snake would never... I am pretty certain that even the most inept teacher, even Quirrell, would notice if you set him on fire.
0: <laughs> it's funny, because they do quite a good job in the film of making this believable, where like, all the teachers are just looking up and watching Harry like, in shock... And then, yeah. like running Hermione, pushed the way through them and set fire to, to Snape's cloak. And on the way through, they knock over Quirrell. I'm pretty sure if he doesn't, I wish it hard. It was like like a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> 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 that's brilliant. But, yeah. Oh, that's
1: wonderful. I this actually this little this little scene set up um, uh, also uh, presented me with a couple of questions. If this is indeed Snape being a Rongan, as we are being invited to think. This is a pretty stunning example of a teacher being a wrong un, You know what I mean? Like, I was, I was at school, a PE teacher lost his temper once and threw a medicine ball at a mate of mine and nearly broke his toe. <laughs> that was pretty bad. But this is something else, causing a child to plummet to his death from hundreds of feet up in the air for the sake of the House Cup competition. I think Snape, Snape might be in need of a leave of absence here. We might need to go and take a break and get his priorities in order. <laughs>
0: It was neat at the end of that. At the end of this scene, just like Quirrell puts his hand around Snape, come away, come away, Severus, come on, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, come away. But, but, but he has to be struck. Come away, Severus, come on. <laughs> come on. Just stop, just stop this now.
1: <laughs> stop this before you're a headline.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So, but he. So Snape's concentration's broken. Harry's okay, and he ends up catching the snitch in his mouth. There's a brief sort of scuffle around <laughs> whether or not this is legit, but it turns out it is. Uh, I think they might just play the Harry Potter card again here and say, look, it's Harry Potter. Catch him you can." He <laughs> wins. <laughs> so um, so Harry's won the game. Um, and they're all really pleased. Great times, good times, all that. Um, then they, towards the end of the chapter, they try and find a bit more about this three-headed dog from Hagrid. It turns out Hagrid brought the dog into the castle to guard something, um, he calls it Fluffy, and Hagrid also <laughs> defends Snape and says, "Oh, he'd never, he'd never do anything to, to hurt Harry. Definitely not. Isn't but it? he seems a bit shifty as he's saying it. And uh, he-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say that, but he has gone quite a long way out of his way to make sure that he doesn't feel safe whenever he's in a class that involves playing with potions that could turn him <laughs> into a lizard."
0: <laughs> yeah, he, um Hagrid also drops this name in um you know whatever whatever that thing's guardians between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. He's like, ooh, who's that? Ooh. Uh. A lead.
1: Uh. On
0: to chapter twelve, The Mirror of Erizet. Yeah. Um, it's, it's basically desire I, spelt backwards. I,
1: yeah, I know. And I like when I saw when I saw this. I was just for a second, I was drawn out of the fact that I'm so into this particular story universe and reminded of the fact that I find most fantasy quite tiresome precisely because it will always involve randomly generated names, it would seem, for things. The Mirror of Erized, the Lake of Lingleflap, the the whatever it is, the Latch <laughs> of Manglethorpe. And you just like, you just... I don't know where you're coming up with these names from but they're not connecting me in any way to the world and when I saw that chapter title I was like where are we going here, where are we going JK, you've got to have me
0: People come from all over the world to see the famous Latch of Manglethorpe
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know and because I'm English it's very easy for me to be dismissive, I know, I know
0: (laughs) That Latch has got some tails around it (laughs) Anyway, not not for this podcast, though. So <clears throat> it's Christmas. Um, Malfoy's still trying to wind Harry up, but it's kind of bouncing off a bit because, you know, he's just won a massive Quidditch match for his house. So yeah. no one cares.
1: Well, and also because he, Malfoy seems to think that the way to get this kid who's had an incredibly affirming three, first three months at school and discovered more about his identity than he could possibly have dreamed... The way the way to really wind him up is to point out that his horrible relatives don't want to see him at Christmas, and it's like, <laughs> I yeah I know it's great. I'm, I'm staying here with you know with the massive armchairs in the unbelievably plush, still somehow for eleven year olds, common room, yeah. and the magic food platters. I imagine on Christmas Day those will be pretty tasty. <laughs> Sorry, Malfoy, you're not getting it on me here.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what it's like. This is a this is a great sort of fantasy here that Ron and, basically Ron and Harry are staying on at Hogwarts over Christmas and they've basically got the run of the place so they get the best you say the best armchairs in the dorms uh, in the in the common room they have this mega feast it just sounds like a just a massively good time he, Harry's like yeah. Yeah, it's the best Christmas ever
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> sorry malfoy
0: <laughs> malfoy's harry baiting game is poor his weasley baiting game is much stronger yeah. Um, he's 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 with he's, 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 um he, Harry and Harry and Ron are helping Hagrid out as he's moving the trees into the hall, and Malfoy just comes up and goes, "You're trying to earn some extra money, Weasley? I mean, to be gamekeeper yourself when you leave Hogwarts, I suppose." <laughs> but Hagrid's home must seem like a palace. <laughs> Oh, it's it's
1: horrible, isn't it? What an oh, asshole. I know. He's just such an awful human, Malfoy. The thing and is, it, it, um, it always
0: works with Ron. It, he always rises yeah, to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and because as we've seen, like, J.K. Rowling's really good at sketching that thing that Ron is clearly quite ashamed of the fact that his family doesn't have money to chuck around. Yeah. And Malfoy has noticed this and is putting the boot in, you know, not realizing that it is a truth universally acknowledged that anybody who in school does nothing but boast about how much money they've got is showing themselves on a daily even hourly basis to be somebody that is not worth talking to hmm. and it's just but he, he thinks this gives him the sense of got a moral ascendancy and he's like goodness i'm <laughs> um, team ron on this one as if anybody's anything else but
0: <laughs> i like the um they mention the uh, wizards they're playing wizards chess and the pieces talk back to you, and it's like Ron's got this this um, this set that is inherited from his granddad, so it's been in the family for years. So all the all the uh, pieces are really well drilled and do what they say. And yeah. Harry's borrowing this set from from I think Seamus, and because he yeah. obviously doesn't know what he's doing, they keep arguing with him. Like, you can't send me there, send him.
1: There. <laughs> <You> <laughs> send he's, him. he's rubbish. You should hear what he says about you when you're looking at the other bits of the board. Honestly, he's a wronging. Send him in there brilliant this so this this reminded me of something that happened a couple of christmases ago where i um uh, my nephew is uh incredibly sharp uh mathematician and uh bef- before he went to university to show just how sharp a, ma- a mathematician he is um uh one christmas he had a chess set uh, i thought oh this would be a bit of fun we'll do a game and and i mean of course he took me absolutely to pieces absolutely to pieces just within seconds and it was so quick that even i was embarrassed like i was like oh man i was hoping to get on i just didn't put anything on you at all no and i was like good game and he was like mm. i was like oh come on give me this i'm just giving you a little bit of calling mm. and he said and then he i said well what was it and he said well you know it's just that victory it was a little bit cheesy i was like oh <laughs> oh beating me doesn't even level up to the point of being vaguely satisfied by beating an older relative of yours it's just a it was cheesy is how he described it said it was like movie. when you play a first person shooter and you just run through the whole level shooting people instead of taking a taking a sort of tactical approach on the, on counter strike or whatever but oh dear yeah Oh, it was awful. I felt so. I felt for Harry here. I needed. I needed pieces that would just give me a bit of chat back for the moral support as much as anything else.
0: Yeah. Harry's about to get a, a cheering up in the form of presents Christmas Day. Um, he gets all sorts. He gets a jumper from uh, Ron's mum. He gets. It's not weird. He gets a, a <laughs> flute from. Harry. He gets a flute from Hagrid. Not weird. He gets 50p from the Dursleys. Yeah, I love that. 50p. Yeah, definitely weird. <laughs> definitely I, weird. That's
1: it. But isn't that just such a perfect little grace note on the fact that like they put this guy under the stairs for the first 10 years of his life and made him into like a house servant, basically. But they still they still have a sense of, of you know, proprietary just enough <laughs> to send him 50p take to a bit of card and a, yeah. and a one-line note.
0: Yeah. gets a box of chocolate frogs Link think from Ron um, and also a mystery present and, and this it, it used to be his dad's an invisibility cloak oh,
1: now you're talking oh he smells shenanigans
0: <laughs> speaking of uh, fred and george arrive for a, a few hijinks with percy i love how there's this sort of there's this low scale like ribbon of, of percy all the time he's the eldest but yeah. fred and george just don't respect him at all
1: they <laughs> just can't be having with it because they clearly they worked out quite early on in their childhood that they outnumber him even if he's older than they are yeah. and uh, and actually, I i do love this and i think hijinks is an appropriate middle name for both percy and george <laughs> That is... That Fred and George. Sorry, yeah, not Percy yeah, and George. Fred
0: and George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Percy's approach to hijinks is roughly in the same ballpark of Vernon Dursley. He just has no trouble with that.
1: I will not suffer these hijinks. Even though I am in a school that could be constructed for hijinks, seems to encourage hijinks, I will stand against these hijinks to my last breath.
0: <laughs> I bet that's a lesson at Hogwarts. Got double hijinks this afternoon. Double hijinks
1: immediately after lunch on Wednesdays. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So um the, there's the feast. The wizard crackers are pretty awesome. Um they yeah. kind of put our own crackers to shame. Um yeah. there's this little there's this little beat where Hagrid gives McGonagall a kiss on the cheek because it's uh 'cause it's they're under the mistletoe and she Ooh. laughs and blushes. He's like, Ooh. Ooh right. Hagrid. So she,
1: yeah. she loves a grateful dead tribute act,
0: clearly. Yeah. yeah. Uh there's a snowball fight, turkey sandwiches. I mean it's just basically it's, like best Christmas is-
1: ever. The absolute lot, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. And the invisibility cloak, they realise, is basically a free pass to walk around the school. Yeah. So,
1: Is that unnecessarily a good thing, though? Like, I know that we've, we've set up Filch as the person that always ruins your fun, because he absolutely <laughs> is the guy that always ruins your fun. Um, but, but, you know, this as we've discussed, this is a school that contains corridors which may end your life. Is it necessarily a good thing to be able to go around without all the people who've been there for longer than, ooh, let's say eight weeks, being able to see what you're doing and prevent you from doing something really stupid? (laughs) My cloak of invisibility means that I can dodge all well-meaning advice from people who might keep me from harm, such as that enormous cave troll or the dog.
0: Well, I suppose it is great news if, like Harry... Um, you have a growing invincibility complex which keeps being reinforced by everyone <laughs> around you. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's absolutely true. I'll just hit him with my free Nimbus 2000 uh, broom.
0: Yeah, so Harry thinks, well, where shall I go? I can go anywhere. Straight to the restricted section of the library because maybe you can find out something about Nicholas Flamel. Um, mm. the, the first book he opens, starts screaming. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> It's so good isn't it <laughs> Yeah. so he nearly gets caught by Filch and Snape um, he escapes into this disused classroom and he sees this mirror and um, this is mm. said mirror in the uh, title chapter and he mm. looks into it and he sees people behind him and then he realises that it's his mum and dad and he's seeing his mum and dad in the mirror and this sort of suddenly gets quite real, it's like oh man yeah. that's, that's really sad
1: yeah and but quite I found it really moving as well because it's not it doesn't have that sense of like melancholy that I would expect that feeling like because that would just be it's impossible for me ever to see these people and this is just this ache Hmm. he actually has this sense of like fulfillment for Harry in that he's he sits there and he's just satisfied with it in a way which you sense he's never been in his life to this point And so I actually just found it really I found it really really lovely Um, in a way that I wouldn't have you know somebody encountering the impossibility of ever meeting their dead parents that should be dark but actually this felt quite almost nurturing for Harry it was great it was a really great old moment
0: I think it's really it feels really positive and um, yeah, you know, fulfilling it. here, and I think it's it's largely because because you see it through Harry's eyes because yeah. he's in a magical school and he thinks anything can happen with magic. He thinks yeah. they really still exist at this point, so he's like, oh, "Wow, yeah. mum and dad's still alive." Yeah. And I think it's sad when, if you're rereading the chapter and you know what's coming, you're like, "Oh man, it's, yeah. it's sort of it's getting that yeah. close to see him taken away again."
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: You're right there, actually. Yeah. So he gets all excited, he shows, he says, Ron, Ron, you gotta go back to the dorm, right? Ron, you've got to come see this. I find my mum and dad and um, they go after it. Ron looks into the mirror and he doesn't see Harry's parents. He sees himself winning the Quidditch Cup and becoming head boy and his ah, Quidditch ah, captain ah, <laughs> and, like, Dumbledore ah, shaking his hand and saying he's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Of
1: all the Weasleys, you're definitely the best.
0: <laughs> and I love, how, I, I, I mean, we've talked about Harry's optimism. I love Ron's optimism here where he's like, does it? Does this mirror show the future? <laughs> On, so Ryan. good, isn't
1: it? and <laughs> Harry's like no n- no, pretty saw what I saw was not the future,
0: yeah, yeah, so they uh they argue about it and then um and then they hear a noise and they've got to cheese it because someone's coming <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Harry, Harry just goes back again and again um over the holidays now, and then one time when he turns up, just to sit and stare at his mum and dad. Um, Dumbledore's there already I quite like this, Dumbledore's just in the room and Harry comes in, sits down sitting there for ages just looking at his mum and dad again and then sort of Dumbledore says something and Harry's like wow, have you got an invisibility cloak? He's like I don't need a cloak to to, to become invisible (laughs) I'm just a badass, don't worry about it (laughs) Yeah, it's just like,
1: listen, I don't want to overplay this, but you know how everybody talks about me as though I might be the greatest wizard ever I might be the greatest wizard ever, so <laughs> yeah. no cloaks. Mm?
0: <laughs> yeah. So Dumbledore explains what this mirror is, and it's basically, he says, the, ha- the happiest man in the world would just see himself. So basically it shows yeah, yeah. you, like, the thing you want the most, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he says, this sort of, the the heartbreaking thing he says to Harry is, it's, it's just shadows. It's it's no good for you. It's not real. Um and yeah. he's got to sort of lay some pretty hard truth on Harry here that this isn't sort of, yeah. this isn't something that magic can do. Just can't bring him yeah. back. Um, yeah. it's and that's it's actually so- sorry. sorry. No, you go.
1: I was going to say, it just, that actually feels, this feels like a very artful, very sort of emotionally smart way of saying something that you've got to say in a, in a world that contains magic that he's not going to see his parents again. Hmm. because that needs that is you know that you can't just wave a magic wand and make that go away and and so his journey then is through it not away from it from that experience hmm. and that sort of pain yeah and that's really smart otherwise you would you know at the back of your head you'd be thinking yeah but given all this other amazing stuff that's in magic do what's the deal with him you know why can't he see his parents
0: yeah, um, and it's and it's yeah. also just just it's really useful just to remind you of, sort of that that the stakes are real sometimes as well even in this yeah. world you know yeah. you can't bring people back from the dead and so there are a lot of safety yeah. nets at the at the school because of magic and you know ne- Neville keeps being carted off to the hospital with horrifying injuries and he's fine <laughs> but- <laughs> coming back five minutes later <laughs> yeah. lesson learned but it's yeah it's important to set that rule down very clearly um, yeah for us that especially sort of setting up the last third of the book that you know Yeah when when people are in danger they can genuinely die. You know, the stakes are real, even though it's magic. Yeah. So yeah. um that's quite clever. Also at the end Harry just says the Dumbledore, what do you see when you look into it? And he's just like, Oh a pair of socks It's like you can never have too many socks <laughs> and he gets back to his room and thinks actually maybe he was maybe he was having me on. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thought well, we quite like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was a great thing because I I like it either way as a joke. I like yeah. it if it's Dumbledore just being like, All right, I'll make a joke here about how you usually get socks for Christmas and you're usually irritated by it, but I'd really like to have some socks for Christmas. Yeah. Because I don't want to tell him what I actually see in there. Uh because it's not a good idea to share the desires of my heart with an eleven year old. <laughs> um but also it's a slight breach of the teacher-student relationship there Uh, but also but I also like that joke if it is actually true and Dumbledore's (laughs) just got everything so pat like he is just so completely the man that the only thing he has left to hope for is that somebody would give him socks so he can deal with these very very cold corridors in the winter (laughs) time I love that he says everybody just keeps buying me books (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that's true of a lot of people who get this book as well. If you're into books, everyone just buys you yeah. books. But to be to be honest, you're very rarely mind. I never mind minded.
1: No, absolutely not, no. That's and that's the thing, isn't it? The idea of there being a stage in your life you can reach where you would eventually just say,
0: Socks are fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, give me socks. socks. Give me socks. <laughs> that's all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um chapter thirteen, Nicholas Flamel. Are we gonna find out who he is? Well, um so Dumbledore's like chat works so Harry's just chilling now he doesn't put the cape on he doesn't put the invisibility cape on anymore doesn't go back to try and find this mirror which Dumbledore says it's being shipped out anyway Um, but he's weird thing to keep
1: in a room with an unlocked door though I'm just going to note that again (laughs) another strange storage decision relating to rooms at Hogwarts school
0: mark that for future books because that is explained eventually Um, is it really? oh tremendous
1: oh good stuff right I look forward to that
0: Um, so Oh, but but the, the, one of the sort of side effects of this is because he's seen his mum and dad. He started having these nightmares about them being killed. Now it's kind of yeah. like um, it's kind of if you if this was sort of today, you'd say he's been triggered by it. He's like he started yeah. having that like his these that's bad psychological experiences. Now well, that um, makes a
1: lot of sense, though. I mean, he's been yeah. through this very traumatic experience. He's had sort of flashback memories of green light in the past, so it yeah. makes sense that you know increasing his memory of the other people of that who were there would do that. And like, what an awful thing,
0: yeah. Um, in Quidditch they're training harder than ever Um, now the Weasleys are moaning about this Um, Harry's siding with the captain Woody thinks yeah we've got to train really hard because Hufflepuff are coming up and I'm with the Weasleys
1: on this come on
0: (laughs) it's Hufflepuff
1: (laughs) it's Hufflepuff send out the B team goodness me
0: (laughs) this is like you know I reckon Gryffindor were what was it like 3-0 down at half time uh, in one year and the manager just came in and went lads it's Hufflepuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the 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 Ferguson halftime talk approach. It's Hufflepuff. This. Come it's on. Hufflepuff. Come on. <laughs> it, they, so, so do they have more than one game against each house every year, or is this just each of these games are incredibly high stakes and it's yeah, a very very that? short season?
0: Yeah. Epic. Oh, just one me. game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one yeah. game, and it's all in it. So you've you've even got to take Hufflepuff seriously in that case. Yeah. Can't afford to can't afford to sleepwalk it and take the score draw.
0: Yeah. No, no. Yeah, they might have a seeker who's got two hams for hands, but who's <laughs> 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 got one eye, and and even that one he's only partially sighted in. <laughs> But
1: you've got to take them seriously. You've got to, you've got to yeah. you know, you've play got, the game that's in front of you guys. Take play play the full 90 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. love, I can just imagine him walking out just shaking, as, <laughs> getting ready for <laughs> another shoe-in. The only question being, how long is it going to last before the season? How long is going to
1: last? Because you're going out there literally not knowing if it could be the rest of the year <laughs> that you have to put up with the shellacking that you're receiving from these... These, these questionably funded and resourced uber-mensch yeah. uh, team of Gryffindor.
0: Slytherin have definitely let a Hufflepuff game run on for a few days on purpose in the past. Yeah, they definitely
1: have, just for target practice.
0: <laughs> it's now 506 nil to Slytherin on day oh. 8. <laughs>
1: just stop hitting yourself stop hitting yourself you know that i'm not hitting myself
0: oh dear anyway it's you hitting me yeah so hufflepuff coming up one thing that could twist the balance (laughs) snape's refereeing so hufflepuff have caught the biggest of breaks here
1: what could possibly go
0: wrong yeah um I love this. Ron and Hermione are saying to Harry, you've got to pull out. You can't play because of what happened last time. And Harry yeah. says, look, I've got to play. There's no reserve seeker. And I lo- yes, I just- <laughs> thank you. I love the idea of there's a little drama that just hasn't made it into the book of that, that seeker who was going to be <laughs> first choice before Harry Potter turned up. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Dear.
1: No, I, I love the idea of him just, just, just whoever this backup seeker was. Oh going poor guy uh, so oh, how much of a backup was i in that case if, <laughs> yeah. if what you're saying is that now that there's a first year that can do it i am li- i'm not even on the b team <laughs> yeah.
0: i'm surplus to requirements
1: <laughs> surplus to requirements i i'm taking up crochet that's what i'm doing now it's been I just released. forget it. sports sports behind me that's exactly isn't it he's left on a bosman
0: free agent it's gone
1: free agency <laughs> He's going to have yeah. a massive, he's going to have a wonderful Indian summer of a career of playing in the Chinese League.
0: I reckon that's McGonagall's sort of quietly favouring Harry again. There's like when they did the Quidditch tryouts. Is there anyone, anyone um, applying for Seeker? I'd like to apply for Seeker. Would you? Uh, yeah. Would you? No. No, I don't want to. No. Very well. No. So Harry Potter is <laughs> the only Seeker. Harry Potter is have. the only Seeker on the books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> This actually reminded me. This like this the moment with Harry um, reminded me of um, uh, you know the uh, computer game XCOM,
0: yeah,
1: uh, where you sort of put together your squad of soldiers and you go through these all these missions and stuff. And um, from mission to mission, different soldiers will get injured on the missions, and you'll often have something pop up where you don't have a full team ready yeah. to play, and you just send out. Just you just know that they're going to get completely decimated. <laughs> and that's what Gryffindor are now without Harry. If Harry yeah. can't go out, it is game over. It is, <laughs> it is, it is the, rook, the five rookies and the captain just going out to try and make the best of it.
0: Yeah. There's the Weasleys who don't take anything seriously. There's Wood who takes everything far too seriously. I got I an impression with Wood that is pretty limited, but he like tries his best, always brings his this kit. This is... He- Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is the one area in which he's like this is his one chance yeah. of getting that reward sort yeah. of 50 quid off of <laughs> off of his uh, off of off of his favorite uncle at the end of the term and yeah. he's going to get it come what may.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so how he's going to play. Um in the meantime Neville's getting bullied by M- Malfoy. He just cannot help himself. He's just going after anyone with a Gryffindor badge on. Um Neville's yeah. getting it quite bad and they're trying to like it's quite nice he comes back all fed up and um, Harry and Ron and Hermione try and like him up a bit and say come on.
1: It, it is great isn't it yeah. and it is just having mates who can reflect to you the complete preposterousness of what it is that bullies say is mm. so sort of powerful and so brilliant. I just completely love this scene. Yeah. It, because of course later in the game Neville chucks it right back at Malfoy using the words he's been given in this conversation and it is tremendous. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I think they all like I like it because he does it and then they all sort of like Malfoy and his gang all sort of burst out laughing and I I quite like the realism of that like Neville's got that sort of he's got that that phrase which has been given by someone else to cheer him up but he can't deliver it convincingly yeah. enough to make it work but it's sort of yeah. I just thought it was again quite well observed that yeah yeah um, yeah,
1: yeah very much well and then and then the, the next thing that happens is is like Malfoy Malfoy's like right I see the fact that you clearly have acquired some self-esteem uh, and that's that's troubling to me and I will raise you some uh, some derisive laughter <laughs> and then ne- Neville then then resorts to the, the schoolboy's absolutely you know universal plan B. Right, well I see your derisive laughter and I raise you a kick in the crutch. Let's go. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um they get they catch a break here because um they're eating those chocolate frogs and they get another wizard card with Dumbledore on it, and they realise that Nicholas Flamel's mentioned on that. Um <laughs>
1: Isn't Harry collecting these? Do you think you would have noticed earlier?
0: Well, I also is like it, the fact that they, they can't get anything on him anywhere, even in the forbidden section, but he's just on this, on this chocolate <laughs> he's guy. <on> a- <laughs> it's,
1: it's amazing. He's in the Panini book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Panini's got special dispensation to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: Panini, the restricted section. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it turns out that Flamel had, had created the Philosopher's Stone which is it's basically it says alchemy. It's basically alchemy plus plus plus. So al- it, can, it can turn <laughs> it can turn base metal into gold and also give you eternal life. So that's a pretty good bonus. That's, wow, that's pretty yeah. impressive.
1: Yeah. All other alchemists for the history of alchemy were happy just with the base metals into gold thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, um, so yeah, so there you go. So we, onto the match, as you said, as you mentioned, there's this row in the stands between Slytherin and. Um, and Gryffindor, why they've put them together, I'll never know. They, oh, got, you got segregate. They've got to segregate the supporters here, surely. But, um, I tell you
1: what we have missed out on here as well is the possibility of Lee Jordan who obviously is just completely focused on slagging off whoever it is that Gryffindor are playing against. Yeah. That means that we miss out on the opportunity to have him do his kind of statesman-like BBC sports commentator, you know, with the footage of crowd trouble just going <laughs> and obviously that's a complete disgrace and, uh, and <laughs> we, we look down on that absolutely. This completely inappropriate and it's ruined the day for everybody.
0: It's ruined the day. Dear oh dear, they've let themselves down Again, yeah, that's it,
1: isn't it? <laughs> a
0: dark day for Hogwarts Quidditch. <laughs> a
1: dark day for Hogwarts Quidditch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so far
1: outside the proud traditions of Quidditch at Gryffindor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, mercifully for Hufflepuff, Harry gets an early catch in the win. I mean, it's so easy. This it's just it's just almost in a line. Hufflepuff are dispatched. Um So not quite sure what they're yeah. worried about. Um, yeah. So Snape doesn't have any time to sort of work his magic on like making them lose <laughs> so he spits in the ground in fury
1: he's furious, <laughs> it's so good isn't it
0: yeah um, but later they, they start, they're all celebrating after the match and Harry sees this hooded figure heading off into the forbidden forest and he's like I, I recognise that gate anywhere, it's Snape yeah. so he gets on his broom and chases after him and he sees Snape and Quirrell in this little clearing having a row and Snape's basically leaning on Quirrell, saying, "Come on, tell me more about this Philosopher's Stone, and also, you know, work out where your loyalties lie here." So um, whoa, again, whoa, whoa, whoa. that gives further ammunition to the Harry running Hermione theory, uh, theory. That Snape's yeah. trying to get the Stone, and he needs Quirrell's help. Mendirosa, pardon. <laughs>
1: As, sorry, that's, that's the word liar in Spanish. And when you say it in that tone of voice, it just seems like an appropriate response to somebody doing something shady and underhand. What is it? Mentiroso.
0: Mentiroso. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, chapter 14, our last one for the day, and what a chapter it is. I love this one because the, the, <laughs> amount so of, the amount of stuff they get in this, It's considering it's a single chapter, considering before we start this chapter, we don't even know that dragons exist... And by the end of it, we get to where we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's called Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Um, exams are coming. <laughs> exams are coming up. Everyone's freaking out. Um, they go to visit Hagrid again, and he's got something. He's keeping something on the sly. It's a dragon egg. It turns out dragons Ooh. exist, which is a absolute. You know, it's that- mad for Harry as it is. I like the descriptions here. Yeah. There's the Commonwealth Green and the Hebridean Black. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're very good, aren't they? It's a good opportunity. To, Terry Pratchett did this as well. There were a lot of dragons in a few of his books. And just yeah. the fun you can have making up species names for dragons yeah. is is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, uh, I, I, yeah I, I, I just want to, before we get into the meat of the, the chapter, I want to agree with you on the fact that this is brilliant, that George Martin spends seven books doing dragons, eh? <laughs> ooh, ooh. J.K. Rowling can flip that stuff over in a single chapter and just move on. we like dragons done what's next
0: (laughs) yeah set up set piece resolution in one single chapter Amazing. One thousand words (laughs) yeah
1: drops mike yeah it's really great
0: so so yeah so hagrid's uh, getting this he's hatching this dragon called norwegian ridgeback um and he, he won't he won't sort of hear anything against this from the kids um, even though at one point, one of them points out that he's living in a wooden house, which has had echoes, <laughs> of, a, <laughs> had echoes of that wooden town in a, which was built right next to the, the dragon mountain in The Hobbit. In, in The Hobbit, yeah. <laughs> it's a, should we rethink this building? Of, no, no, why would we do that? <laughs> There's a fire-breathing dragon just around the corner. What should we build our houses out of? Build them out of wood. Wood? we them out of wood I mean, for years. Fine. You,
1: say, you say concrete, but <laughs> the
0: cost... Right? Something fire retardant? Call me retardant. We're going to build this with (laughs) (laughs) with wood. (laughs) Sing! And they also find a bit of extra plot as well. They find out more about um, what's guarding the stone. Basically, they've put the Philosopher's Stone in Hogwarts because it's about the safest place it can be because Dumbledore's there. And also, basically, all the teachers have got in on the act of protecting it. So there's charm, there's sort of spells by McGonagall, Quirrell, Flitwick, Snape, Dumbledore himself and uh, Hagrid's little contribution which is the massive three-headed dog. So it's pretty well protected and Hagrid says this, he's like, chill it's really well protected, there's loads of these spells about, so don't be worried about <laughs> it. We've got this. It.
1: As uh, previously established unquestionably, a school is the best place for your valuables.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, now in the end the uh, this this dragon hatches it's a, it's kind of amazing Um And they keep visiting it And he's trying to raise it And it's a bit of a nightmare Because it's obviously a dangerous wild animal That Hagrid's got this blind spot for But at some point along here Malfoy follows him down And has a little peep in And sees it and runs off And then there's this (laughs) whole week Where Malfoy's just sort of toying with it He just keeps the information to himself And just just savours it for a while Before he tells anyone
1: I'm sure he's drumming his fingers together With delight
0: yeah. But that gives them just enough time to work out a plan to get this thing away from the school before Hagrid gets into trouble or someone's killed yeah. by the dragon, you know, whichever one happens first. Um yeah. they get in touch with one of Ron's brothers called Charlie. He's a um he's like he works for dragons. That's his sort of career. So they arrange for get someone. me that
1: job. Yeah. Honestly, Hogwarts Hogwarts career advisor. Take yeah. a bow.
0: Yeah. So they arrange for some of his his lads to go and pick him up, pick the dragon up, but they've got to get it to this tower. Um, and unfortunately, Ron gets bitten by the dragon during this time, uh, taken to hospital. Malfoy, Malfoy sort of like comes up for a gloat and, also, <laughs> but as an excuse, says, "Oh, I need to borrow." this book just so happens to be the book which has got the letter in it from charlie saying bring the dragon (laughs) to the tower at this time and don't let anybody
1: find out that you're doing it yeah (laughs)
0: Yeah. under no circumstance you know once you've read this note burn it or hide it no no (laughs) circumstances start using it as a bookmark (laughs) whoops (laughs) so Malfoy knows what's going to happen and when it's going to happen but the plan's too far in motion for them to call it off or do anything else so they do it anyway um I quite like the little sweet moment where Hagrid's like, "I've packed him some rats, brandy, and a teddy for the journey." Like,
1: oh. oh yeah, speaking of what this thing eats, by the way, there's a great moment when Hagrid says, "I've looked in the books," and he's, I love that he's done diligently all of his homework and worked out <laughs> yeah. what he needs to what he needs to do to look after this thing. And the, he's like, "Before it hatches," he says, it, "So I know what I need to feed it when it first comes out," and it's something like, "Is it like, like a pint of brandy and a pint of chicken's blood, or something?" <laughs> And it was yeah. like it was definitely like a very large amount of chicken's blood. And I don't know how much blood you get out of a chicken. I am ignorant in these matters. But I mean, if that's what this thing eats, there should be like a sort of poorly run abattoir out of the back of, of Hagrid's shack by the end of day two. Just all these all these birds that he's killed. And he hasn't had time to butcher them properly. He's just been like, I don't care, I need the blood. The dragon needs the chicken blood. All must go to serve the dragon
0: every night in the great hall chicken again <laughs> the gamekeeper <brought> more chicken. <laughs>
1: yeah we've just got a job lot of it for some reason
0: anyway <clears throat> it's a bit dry would you say it's
1: a bit dry yeah, man, i suppose it's a bit dry yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so anyway so this is like you're thinking they're kind of there's got troubles brewing here they've got a, this sort of pretty unwieldy plan trying to get this cage up to the top it's up to the highest tower they've got the invisibility cloak which can kind of help and um, luckily, by the time they get to the tower, Malfoy's already being told off by McGonagall for being out of bed. And he's like, but they're bringing the dragon up. She's like, whatever. It's so good. Yes. Get
1: <laughs> it could only have been better if it had been Snape up there. If, if this was a scene in which we had got to see Snape being like, don't be ridiculous, Malfoy. <laughs> only that could have been better than this. Because you get the sense that McGonagall probably would have done it to Malfoy anyway, just to be able to give the demerits to, uh, to Slytherin.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i love this at the end so the plans of success they get up there after that s- striking amazing stroke of good luck they um they get up there no problem drop off the cage and they walk him back down the steps clapping each other on the back high-fiving saying job well done and filch is there and they've left the invisibility cloak at the top <laughs> of the tower <laughs> oh it's, no it's a
1: brilliant little light motif for this book isn't it <laughs> Harry and Ron high-fiving on a job well done only to discover that the job is far from done and far from well
0: yeah echoes of troll locked in with Hermione here isn't absolutely
1: it? <laughs> isn't it oh can you see us oh that's awkward oh goodness <laughs> um, uh, not that there's any reason you shouldn't be able to see us by the way just yeah should we go to the headmaster now
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and there you have it. That is the. Oh, uh, the, what a the I couldn't a believe cliffhanger. you left us on that bit oh, for the cliffhanger, the yeah. back end of the book. Yeah. So for the next for next week, read from there to the end of the book. we we'll round off a read through of Harry Potter's and the Philosopher's Stone. Um. Obviously, as we said before, get your review into us. Uh, Shark Liver Podcast at gmail the email address, or Shark at Shark is the Twitter account. <laughs>
1: How many years have we been doing this? Too many,
0: too many, Dave. <laughs> so many, I've forgotten. What? Well, too too many, not to have a proper Facebook presence. Put it that way. D- so,
1: that is for damn sure.
0: Once again, we may and yet re- we may resolve that this week. Don't hold your breath. But we might, <laughs> we may. Uh, but until then, Dave, get that wand away because uh, you're going to have to wait till next week to read the rest of the book. <sighs>
1: All right.